0: Since we were talking about climate change at the beginning of this hour, you know, environmental apocalypse makes a good starting point for a lot of disaster movies. Try this one. The world's climate goes haywire. The heat destroys everything. And then the atmosphere is fogged to the point that the sun is blocked, turning the earth into an uninhabitable ice palace. No, not the Disney dream of Frozen. It's a dead world where in a kind of Noah's Ark of humanity, people are put on a train that constantly runs. It's the only place anyone can survive. The train is run by a dictatorial authority. The whole thing is completely ridiculous, except that everyone can relate to one thing. Some people ride in first class in luxury. Most people ride in the back in squalor. Film critic Rafer Guzman and co-host of the Movie Date podcast says the severe income inequality right now in the world is making a lot of dystopian movies oddly plausible. It's exactly what turns the movie Snowpiercer from an unwatchable ugly fantasy into a politically charged parable.
1: In that movie, you've got uh, Chris Evans, who play, who's uh, best known as Captain America. He plays the leader of a rebellion, and he's in steerage with the rest of the the rest of the literal the underclass. And they're going to try and storm their way from the back of the train to the front of the train and find the guy who's driving this train. Uh, and you know, and all these guys are in the back eating this horrible food. They're you know, they're punished. They're brutalized. You people who would I know for the benevolent Wilford would have frozen solid
0: years ago today, you scum.
1: Precisely seventy-four percent of you shall die. And I think that movie is really one of the most kind of uh, literal analogies or metaphors mm-hmm. of of this revolution that that I've seen.
0: What about the film Anarchy?
1: The Purge, Anarchy, it's a sequel to a movie called The Purge that came out, I think it was last year. Um, so in this, in this film, uh, the basic premise is very simple. Uh, again, in the near future, the government has uh, set up this idea where one night each year, all crime is legal. You can murder, you can rape, you can torture, you can pillage, you can do whatever you like. All crime is legal for one night per year.
0: You, what was that army doing in your building? Why were they after you? Why were they after you? I don't know. Why are you in the streets? Our car just broke down. Our car broke down. We don't want to hurt anybody. But you armed! No, no! no. What about you? What were
1: you doing outside? The first film, which starred Ethan Hawke, kind of hinted at the idea that maybe what happens in a situation like this is that the rich benefit because they can afford nice security systems and uh, giant metal shutters and such to keep themselves safe, whereas the poor are the ones who are dying out in the streets. And uh, this movie, the sequel, really drives this message home. That 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 income inequality message is really out front and center. You see the wealthy people taking advantage of this. You see poor people uh, selling themselves uh, as purge victims to wealthy families who can get their bloodlust out in a safe way. The money then goes to the poor family. All these really gruesome, gruesome scenes in the movie. I was one of the few critics that actually liked the movie. I think most people found it a little heavy-handed. But this was the first movie I've seen in many, many years uh, where you've got, in a modern-day setting, a poor, largely black underclass rising up and violently, bloodily killing the rich white elite. I found that really shocking to see in a Hollywood film.
0: Elysium. Now, I didn't see this movie. Um, I, I, I certainly saw the trailers. It seemed like uh, kind of wall although not animated. Um, but the, <laughs> w- w- What did this say to you?
1: Well, this was uh, from the guy who did District 9. Which I love. I love District 9 as well, yeah. which was also a, you know, a political, clearly a political allegory about apartheid. And here, I think they're tackling the issue of healthcare and immigration. Uh, the world has basically become a giant Mexico. The dominant language is Spanish. Most people, aside from Matt Damon, the star, appear to be of Mexican descent, Hispanic descent of some kind. And they are down in this giant... Slum, while there's a space station twirling up in the sky called Elysium, where the rich, uh, led by Jody Foster, are living in this kind of Malibu slash Hamptons fantasy land. They've got plenty of food and resources, and what they have are these futuristic MRI machines that can cure basically anything. Um, they can cure cancer and polio and a broken leg and what have you. Hello. Uh. Before we start, I'd just like to explain... Costa,
0: violation of penal code 2219. Today, bus stop 34B. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. You see, I believe there's been a misunderstanding. Immediate extension of parole by a further eight months. Wait, what? No, 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 no. I can explain. Stop talking. Elevation and heart rate detected. Would you like a pill? No. Would you like to talk to a human?
1: And this movie... Sort of the first kind of sci-fi movie about healthcare that I can think of is Matt Damon trying to storm that space station, trying to storm Elysium and open the floodgates and give not just uh, naturalized citizenship but free health care for all, which I thought was perhaps not terribly realistic, but kind of funny and kind of interesting.
0: Hunger Games, of course, takes this very, very literally. I'm less interested in the movie and more interested in what it does to young people. This is a fable. This is a mythology that is very much tied up with uh, the people coming of age right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting one because, you know, when you're a teenager, it's always fun to – rebel uh you know i think i you know i grew up in the 80s when there wasn't even that much to rebel about really but i found something and i think you kind of get that a little bit in the hunger games but i do think that one reason it's resonated with audiences beyond just the teens is again this kind of this question of the elite and the fun of seeing this weird uh, kind of decadent elite that live in the capital, the capital city of Panem, which is the fictional country in which it's set. You know, once you get out of away from Jennifer Lawrence, you know she's part, again part of the underclass. Once you get away from her and you see how the how the other half lives, they're all in these kind of decadent weird costumes. They look a little bit like Marie Antoinette or you know, combined with Mick Jagger or something. It's like Versailles and Studio 54 all together in one. Celebrity
0: it, becomes a metaphor for excess and economic inequality.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And the, it, 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 it feeds into, I think, our fantasies about uh, our fantasy slash nightmare about how, how the other half lives, that, that, that this is what they're blowing all of our money on.
0: So, so how does this movie compare to the movies of the 30s and 40s? You've got, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. You have a lot of movies about uh, the Depression, The Grapes of Wrath, for instance, which mm-hmm. was almost a documentary. Um, right. Uh, very much in, you know, income inequality was was the the theme back then, but this feels very, very different from back
1: then. That's true. I think those movies, at least those two that you mentioned, uh both very hopeful and there's always some, all, those movies have a real sense of specifically the American spirit and, and not, a, not a fictional futuristic dystopia or, a, or some kind of fantasy country. We, those movies were still really talking about America um, and they struck this note of hope that you could change. You remember the closing speech of Grapes yeah. of Wrath? You know, it's, it's essentially a, a political, it's a, it's a stump speech, really.
0: Wherever there's a fight so hungry people can eat. I'll be there. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there. I'll be in the way guys yell when they're mad. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. I'll be out there, Ma. Exactly. (laughs) I remember
1: it. Yeah, of course. I don't know if I want to say that hope is gone. But I feel like these movies are certainly questioning that and they're certainly questioning this idea of what, what happened or at least what's happening to the American dream.
0: Well, let's, let's hope that the message of the films can be a learning of lessons as opposed to a yearning for the apocalypse.
1: Yes. <laughs> In other words, let's, let's hope there's no reign of terror coming.
0: All right. Uh, Rayford Guzman, film critic for Newsday and co-host of the Movie Date podcast. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, John.